HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Roth Cheese, a pioneer in the U.S. specialty cheese movement. For more information, visit RothCheese.com. This week on Meet and 3, we're exploring interactions from drug studies in a laboratory. If this effect is as big as he's saying, somebody should have discovered this long before he did. To global wisdom on avoiding hangovers. Beber cerveza antes de tomar vino no previene los síntomas. Beer before wine, you're going to be fine. Wine before beer, you're going to be queer. To the novel recipes developed by an Indian American family deep in the heart of Texas. And then my mom's sort of coming to America and learning that uh, white parents love to melt cheese on things to get their kids to eat it. She was like, this is genius. <laughs> Be sure to subscribe to Meat in 3. That's M-E-A-T plus sign T-H-R-E-E. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, hey, you're listening to Eat Your Words on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Irway. We are back for the spring-summer season here at Heritage, and it's the first Sunday of the season. It happens to be an incredibly rainy, cold day, so not very spring or summer-like at all. But um, fortunately, I have a book that will be uh, a lot more atmospheric. Um, It is... I got to say, this is such a gorgeous and wonderful book. It is called Aloha Kitchen, Recipes from Hawaii. Fun fact, um, I have a couple of old uh, vintage Hawaiian cookbooks, and they're fun. Um, I made a lot of poo-poos, which are appetizers based on them, but I didn't learn hardly anything compared to this book, and it, it is just such a loving tribute to the foods of this island, the the culture, and um, I mean, I'm still learning from it to this day. So I'm very, very excited to welcome its author. It's Alana Kaiser. Hi. Hi. Good morning. Aloha. Aloha. And uh, did I, I love that you described that aloha is not just a greeting. It's not just hello or goodbye, um, which I'd heard before, but it's also a sort of state of mind or, right? Can you get into that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's. So aloha is a Hawaiian word that means so much. Obviously, it does. It's used as a greeting, mm-hmm. but it means love and affection, kindness and compassion. And then there's um, the spirit of aloha, which is a guiding principle 
of um, like friendliness and acceptance of ideas and culture. And that extends to all aspects of life in the islands in Hawaii. That's so wonderful. I'm surprised it hasn't blown up like Higa has. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, Alana, you are the blogger of Fix Feast Flare, um, where you've been writing for, from 2014, I think, about your, your island's cuisine as well as your kitchen experiments otherwise. So congrats to that. But this is your, this is your baby, this book. And um, I love that you write that you were terrified to write it at first. <laughs> I was. Um, I mean, it, it was such an undertaking because I really wanted to do Hawaii justice and I wanted to introduce the food that we as locals eat to the world, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and no doubt, uh, I haven't seen, you know, I'm a bit of a global cookbook geek and I haven't seen too many Hawaii po- cookbooks. Um there was a Sam Choi's book, who was a TV show um, chef, I think. Um, but that was from like the 80s and 90s. Um, so it's been a while. So I, I think that you've done a marvelous job. But I love that you write that you were sort of um, inspired or maybe motivated to do this because you had seen so many recipes for uh, like online you know, recipes that are called Hawaiian this, Hawaiian that. And it always was because there was pineapple. <laughs> And maybe ham, <laughs> too. <laughs> oh. <laughs> What's the <Yeah>. deal? <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. It, the ham and pineapple didn't come out of nowhere. I mean, mm-hmm. ham and pineapple pizza actually came from Canada, which is funny. But what? the idea of... <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, okay. I'm not sure if that's 100%, but I'm like 95% on that. Okay. Um, but the the idea of pineapple and tropical fruit in general being associated with Hawaii, that was something that was a big push from the Visitors Bureau and, you know, whatnot Hawaii, way back pineapple. when. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, so I get that. But um, nowadays it's, it's stuck. And so it's like people feel like if they threw some pineapple in their roast, it's now a Hawaiian roast. And it's, it's comical for me. <laughs> right. Because you grew up, this is your homeland. And uh, did people just throw pineapples on everything or <laughs> and call it Hawaiian? Um, you know, I grew up eating pineapple fresh, mm-hmm. uh, sliced up and icy cold. And we would top it with lehing powder, which is like this. Are you familiar with it, Kathy? What? Powder? What do you say? Li Hing powder. Oh, (laughs) no! What's that? (laughs) It's it's, um. It actually it's it's Chinese and it's like this uh, spice dried salted plum. Oh yeah, I don't know what that's called. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Um, We call it Li Hing Mui Mm -hmm. in in Hawaii, and so the powder is just Li Hing powder. but it's it's like sweet and salty and like mouth puckering and it's perfect on fresh fruit. So that's Ooh. how I ate pineapple growing up. That sounds much better than canned pineapple thrown on pizza. <laughs> <laughs> but also um, the range of food in here um, is such a joy to read and, and from your own experience. So from your mom's mochiko chicken which I'd never seen before on any poo-poo platters. But uh, <laughs> tell me a little bit about that one, just to for folks who've uh, never seen it. Sure. Yeah, so mochiko chicken, 
it, you know, it, I shouldn't say it's my favorite recipe in the book because that's kind of like asking a parent to pick a favorite yeah, child. But um, <laughs> it's way up there, like definitely top five. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, it's a sweet and salty marinated fried chicken. So it's lightly battered in mochiko flour, which is like a sweet rice flour. Glutinous flour. And uh-huh. it's yeah. a glutinous rice flour, exactly. And... Um, it, it's it's what brings me home. It's what I think of when I think of my childhood. Uh, it's pretty common in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And my mother makes the best version. And so <laughs> I tried really hard to improve on her recipe. I think it went through five or six rounds of, you know, potential <laughs> updates. And I couldn't. I failed. Hers is just the best. So better. that's what lives in the book. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I'm so glad you shared it. Um, This cookbook writing, it sounds like it was such a wonderful journey of um, collecting recipes from home cooks, um, including your your boyfriend's mother, who had never written down some of her recipes, and you got to share them. And and she is Hawaiian, right? Heritage. Yes. So Mm -hmm. she's Hawaiian-Portuguese primarily. Um, So it was really fun collecting her recipes as well as his father's recipes and he's Hawaiian Korean. Mm. And so I, you know, I grew up in a home where my mom is Japanese. So I had a lot of experience cooking the dishes she was familiar with, as well as my best friend who's Chinese and Filipino. Um, But the Korean food was really exciting for me because outside of restaurants, I had never really ventured into it on my own. Mm. It sounds like a wonderful place to eat and grow up. Um, <laughs> tell me a little bit about your background. So you're a Hapa Hayole. Did I pronounce that right? I'm not sure. Um, close. Uh, okay. Haole. 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 And, and what does that mean? So Hapa Haole, Hapa is basically uh, mixed race or half or part mm-hmm. in Hawaiian. Um, and so we, in Hawaii, we commonly say hapa haole, meaning me, I'm half Japanese and half uh, Caucasian. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's usually like ha- haole is, is typically Caucasian. Okay. So would I be that too, even though I wasn't born or raised or actually never been to Hawaii, but I'm half Chinese uh-huh. and Caucasian? A hundred percent, Okay. Yeah. Yay! Okay, <laughs> I was. I and was, isn't that uh, way more fun to say? You're it like, is. I didn't know that. Thank you for <laughs> sharing that. <laughs> I knew about the hapa part, but you know, um, it's always good to, <laughs> to hear from an expert, for, from someone who grew up in this culture. And also, why in the world would you leave Hawaii uh, for college? <laughs> Um, you know, I think it's that thing where you don't realize what you've got until it's gone. Mm. And it was like in high school, I was like, I need to get away from Hawaii as right. fast as possible. And Rebellious, so was, yeah. Yes. Let me let me go to California because California was as far as I was willing to go. Mm-hmm. It's you still got a big ocean between, you know, Hawaii and California. But California felt far enough and close enough at the same time. Mm hmm. And so you found a, a, a homesickness then, and, and also Hawaiian uh, friends when you were away. Yeah, the homesickness was like immediate. It was <laughs> the minute I got there, I thought, ooh, what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> was it food? And uh, 
It was. It was like I I went to the dining hall in college. I went to the University of San Diego, and I was shocked that I couldn't find all the foods that I loved, mm. which shouldn't have been surprising. But all of a sudden, it was a lot of spaghetti and, uh, you know, things that maybe I don't necessarily, they didn't represent what they should have been. And there was, there was no mochiko chicken and poke, forget about it. You know, Mm. it was, it was a whole new world of food and it wasn't what I was looking for. (laughs) Sounds like a culture shock. Um, so, so you got interested in cooking. Um, I, I thought that it was interesting. You noted that not a lot of folks seem to cook. And, and, you know, when, as the, when they were young people, when you're in California. I mean, that was shocking to me, truly, because I grew up, both of my parents are excellent cooks. So I grew up in the kitchen. It, I was almost forced to be in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I didn't really appreciate all these wonderful tools they gave me until I went away. And it was, you know, some people didn't even know how to boil water, I felt. And I thought, <laughs> Wow. Yeah. You don't know how to make this thing. Um, I can show you or I'll make this. And all of a sudden I was like, wow, thank you, mom and dad. You guys did a really great job here. <laughs> <laughs> and um, flash forward to you're working on this cookbook and you sort of open up your kitchen. It sounds so fun. You threw a lot of dinners for friends, testing recipes and messing up and succeeding and all the same, having a great time. Yeah, that was something that was really important to me because in writing the book, I wanted to capture the spirit of Aloha through practice. Mm-hmm. So we did have a lot of those dinners where it was super no frills, like paper towel napkins and recipes that maybe weren't quite ready to be shared. But that wasn't really the point. The point mm-hmm. was coming together and building your community and really, you know, embracing the idea of Aloha. Yeah, that sounds so much fun. Um, uh, I, I I hope to have one soon <laughs> based on this book. So thank you. Um, we're going to cut to a quick little commercial break. But after the break, I want to hear a lot more about Hawaiian cuisine history and also the dish that inspired the word luau. So hang in there. Today's program was brought to you by Roth Cheese, a pioneer in the U.S. specialty cheese movement. Roth is in its 25th year of making specialty cheese in the rolling hills of southern Wisconsin. With strong Swiss heritage, Roth is best known for its award-winning Alpine-style cheeses under the name Grand Cru. Fresh Wisconsin milk combined with expertise and affinage is how Roth creates high-quality, great-tasting cheese year after year. In 2016, hard work paid off when out of over 2,000 contenders, Roth Grand Cru Sirchois was named world champion at the World Cheese Championship. For more information, visit rothcheese.com. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. My name is Sari Kamen. And I'm Leah Kurtz. And together we host Food Without Borders here on HRN. Immigrants make our food system vibrant, diverse, and delicious. Each week, we invite a guest to talk about how food connects them to their past as we explore what it's like to be an immigrant in the U.S. today. You can find Food Without Borders wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. 
All right, we're back chatting more with Alana Kaiser, and she is the author of Aloha Kitchen, Recipes from Hawaii. Um, I love that you have such an extensive and um, a beautifully told uh, history section where you write, you know, local Hawaii food is a direct result of Hawaii's past and continues to be a living, breathing expression of what Hawaii is today. In some ways, to understand local Hawaii food is to understand Hawaii itself. Um, let's talk a little bit about all the all the people and and all the patterns of immigration that have made the cuisine what it is today? So what was really important to me when I was writing Aloha Kitchen was to maybe give people an understanding of why the food's there, because when you look at it, you might think, wait, it's Hawaiian food, it's Japanese food, Uh it's Korean food, but it is. And that's because, you know, all these groups, they came over around the same, uh, there were three major waves, Mm -hmm. but the last wave was the big wave where, you know, a lot of different groups came over to work on the sugar and pineapple plantations. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they brought over new plants, animals, ingredients, and dishes, and these were all folded into the local food culture. And what, what I found really interesting when I was researching the book is, you know, sure, I understood that these, these different cuisines were one in Hawaii, their local Hawaii food, but I didn't maybe understand how important they were in uniting the people Uh because, you know, when you come over, you think, okay, well, they came over and they spoke their own languages and, you know, there was a big push to try to keep them separate. Yeah. From the plantation owners, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so the food was one way where they really came together as well as, uh, you know, a shared language, which we call pidgin, mm-hmm. um, which was just like bits and pieces of all these languages that merged together, which I feel like the food scene is much in the same as, ah, as the pidgin language. Right. That's so interesting. And I love that your family history, um, you share, uh, you know, sort of uh, helps present some of this history. Um, your grandparents um, on your mother's side, your great grandparents, um, both came over from Japan and worked as a la- as laborers on those sugar plantations. Um, eventually, your your great grandfather um, your grandfather became uh, a fruit packer, um, Mr. Papaya. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yes, yes, that was his nickname. Um, he he was like head of a pineapple co op uh, or excuse me, papaya co op, and mm-hmm. everyone called him Mr. Papaya. Um, and, and what, <laughs> I mean, I just, I just thought of him as, as my grandpa. Yeah. Uh, that is so wonderful. I love, I love that you share that history here. Um, so speaking of local Hawaiian cuisine and what that entails, um, there's a lot of stuff that folks may be familiar with or, or not. I'm not sure. Um, let's talk about spam, spam masubi. Cause I think that I think of spam masubi a lot. Um, <laughs> what, is that is that not a good example, Alana? What no, I, lo- I love okay. that example. Okay. Um, I didn't, growing up, I didn't know that Spam was an acquired taste or something right. that was maybe something people think of as strange or mm-hmm. wow, you eat Spam. <laughs> I just loved it and so did everyone else I knew. Um, it's such a staple in Hawaii. I kind of think 
I'm, Hawaii is one of the top consumers of spam in the nation, if not the world. I think if more people try to spam masubi, which is this wonderful um, sushi rice and uh, and uh, nori wrapped um, with a guava paste in in the middle, most people would like spam a lot if they tried that. I think. <laughs> But why did um, Hawaiians become so fond of spam? Uh, you know, it's a relic of wartime, truly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it They developed, uh, so basically a lot of people in Hawaii went over to, um, to, to fight in the war, and they were served spam, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they just developed a taste for it and never lost it. <laughs> Right. Uh, it's salty and, uh, you know, it can take on a lot of other flavors. So I don't really understand what there is not to like. <laughs> like, I love it. <laughs> Maybe they were just really good at using it and complementing the flavors in Hawaii as opposed to here where it's just spam with spam. And I'm not sure if there's anything very creative going on with it, but um, <laughs> that's really great. Um what about uh, poke? I think everyone knows a lot about poke nowadays because it's been such a trend lately. Uh, yeah, so I love that it is a trend. Uh, I really think it's cool to see it reaching all parts of the world. I mean, you can find a poke restaurant from here in Los Angeles all the way to Paris and back. Uh, but what's being served in these restaurants isn't necessarily what we in Hawaii are serving and eating. Mm. Uh, so I hoped to share a recipe that people could really apply to their lives. And, and I think that if you're making your poke at home and you're sourcing really good fish mm-hmm. uh, and you're using the right ingredients, you're not going to go back. Like, uh-huh. I'm super sorry to any poke <laughs> restaurants. I, lo- I love you all, but I think that once you make it at home, you're 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 hooked you're yeah. you're in it and you're you're not going to go and seek it out elsewhere so how is it different is it just more simple more pared back all about the fish it, it it's it's definitely about the fish and the thing is is you know uh i think the ingredients that we use in hawaii are different obviously i wrote a recipe that is accessible mm-hmm. throughout the nation and okay. so you know, there's a there's an ingredient that we use called inamona, which is this uh, roasted kukui nut that is mashed with alaya, which is Hawaiian sea salt. Mm. And you can't really find kukui nuts here uh, for yeah. me in Los Angeles. And so I substituted macadamia nuts, which still provide that round, nutty deliciousness without, you know, requiring you to go to Hawaii to get that. Okay. Uh and then another, I mean, it's basically very simple. So you have to use wine salt, which is this coarse, almost, have you had wine salt, Kathy? A sea salt, yeah, Hawaiian salt. I've, I've seen it, yeah. It's very, um, yeah, crunchy. It's crunchy, but it has almost this buttery note to it Ooh. that I just think is so nice. And it's so mild considering it's, you know, you've got pretty sizable crystals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that adds a nice note to your poke. And then it's mm. just sesame oil, to- toasted sesame oil, soy sauce, which we call shoyu. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just a couple other ingredients. I use gochugaru in my recipe, yeah, but I've, I've used mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but I've used all the other ones as well. Shichimi, togarashi. You can you can use whatever chili you'd like. Just a hint of spice, yeah. I love this recipe. And just a little bit of slivered onion. Um, very simple. So do you think a lot of poke places are just overdoing it? Yeah, I think they're trying to serve you poke and then a salad or a ton of toppings, which I, I get the appeal. It's like the chipotle effect. <laughs> but um, I think they're overdoing it. I mean, the, the beauty of poke is that it's simple, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Um, oh, my goodness. There's so many great recipes in here. Um, I definitely want to flag the octopus luau. But it, what do you mm. think is, like, the most representative uh, or some of the most re- representative dishes of Hawaii? So when I think of what represents Hawaii, I think a plate lunch is a good starting point. And so, you know, it's it's a protein. So you mm. any of these, I think, are, are really symbolic of Hawaii. So it's everything from, you know, like a local style barbecue chicken to shoyu chicken, which I think has become like the number one favorite amongst all the moms who have written to me oh. after, since this book came out. Yeah. Uh, awesome. So shoyu chicken. uh you know, Colby so short ribs, which I love. I have a Maui style in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could do mochiko chicken. I mean, it's it's any protein, really. And then it's a Maui carbohydrate, which mm-hmm. it could either be uh, mac salad, which is the standard, or potato mac salad, which I highly encourage you to try. <laughs> <laughs> it looks <laughs> And awesome. then rice. Rice. Mm-hmm. You, got, you have to have like a, like a good a white rice. rice. And then... Mm-hmm. And then maybe maybe a veggie, like you could do like a mixed green salad or something pickled. Pickles, yeah. But but I think that it's not just one dish, which was really important to me to convey. It's yeah. like it's this plate lunch of foods, and that's very much the culture. I love it. I love that it's so similar to uh, like a bento lunch in Taiwan as well, which is, I guess, yes. um, it actually came from the Japanese. So. Um, yeah, so it looks so good. And there you have the chicken katsu you could put on it. You can have the shoyu chicken. You can have the, um, you got so many great recipes in here for the protein. Um, let's talk about that luau. So I had no idea that, uh, the festivity was, was named after a dish that, um, has (laughs) octopus. I mean, why are we yes. having octopus at our, all our luau's? <laughs> well, what's funny is, so we call it squid luau uh, mm-hmm. or a luau stew, and and it doesn't have squid; it has octopus. So okay. that's funny, just in that. Um, but it it became synonymous with uh, the party because it was served so frequently. Mm-hmm. So a party in Hawaii, in Hawaii in Hawaiian is called paina, uh, and we still call it that. But a luau is now what I think most people typically refer to as a party. But I don't know if everyone has octopus at it. <laughs> but they should. Uh, they, should. Yeah. they should. I highly recommend it. it. It's an interesting dish. It's sweet because of the coconut mouth mm-hmm. and then savory because of the luau or uh, taro leaves. And then, awesome. uh, and then obviously the octopus. It's super simple, but I highly recommend it. 
Uh, I I will take you up on that. I, as soon as I get some octopus, I mean this this sounds so much fun for and perfect for a party because you know it's a big, it's a little bit of a big undertaking. <laughs> one whole octopus. It's a production. Yeah. 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 Um. So okay. So what are you most homesick for these days since you've been um, away from your homeland for a few years, right? I mean, the number one dish I crave most is is mochiko chicken because even though I obviously have the recipe for it, my mom makes it better. I don't know what she does that's different. And she swears she doesn't do a single thing differently, but it's Mm, always better when she makes it. (laughs) Those moms, they're saving it for, for, I don't know, maybe it just, it just, it's just her essence that makes it better. (laughs) I agree. I mean, I think it's the energy, maybe, that she puts in the dish. It's the um, aloha, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but it, it's that for sure. And then um, there's there's a recipe for this in my book. It's called pickled mango. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, my mouth is watering just thinking about it. Mm. But you use green mangoes. And I'm I'm talking, like, very green. Like, they have to be hard. Okay. Green and then mango. you pickle them, yes, you pickle them in this, like, sweet, vinegary solution um, where we also typically add lihimui to it. You don't have to, but uh-huh. you, sh- you, sh- you should maybe try it. And um, it's, it's, um, it's got, like, a five-spice flavor because of the lihimui. Mm. Uh, and it's... It's salty and sweet and crunchy and cold because you always keep it in the fridge. And I, I mean, I dream of that. I want to dream sure. of that. <laughs> I want to try that. <laughs> that sounds awesome. I love it. And, um, you know, we don't even have a single recipe for Hawaiian pizza in this whole book. <laughs> yes, um, there's no recipe for it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, there's so many great recipes that we didn't even get into, like so many different noodles, stir-fried noodles. There's beef stews, oxtails, oxtail stews, um, which I didn't know that Hawaii was like the biggest consumer of oxtails. Um, Isn't that wild? Yeah. And yeah, and I mean, it's, I think of it like stewy things is not really island things, but this is like, and then there's soups of all kinds. So what do you hope um, people take away um, when they read your book? Uh, a few things. I, I obviously hope that they're transported. Mm-hmm. I, I hope that it takes them away and, and gives them an escape. Uh, I hope that they immerse themselves in the culture and maybe learn, you know, a bit more about the history that they didn't know about. Um, but I want them to also realize, like, a lot of the foods in Hawaii are are cozy and comforting, and they're yeah. so similar to dishes that you already know uh, mm-hmm. that I feel like, People have often asked, you know, if if I haven't ever been to Hawaii and I haven't had local Hawaii food, um, should I be intimidated? And the answer is no. No. Like, this is for everyone. And you're you're bound to find something in the cuisine that you already know and love. Right. And you've made these recipes very accessible. Um, So now that you've written this book that you were terrified to do, (laughs) (laughs) how do you feel about it now? It's been incredible to have the book out. Uh, mm. 
I, I tell my friends, you know, leading up to the book, I, I had, I was almost crippled by anxiety. I was like, Oh, I wish I could take this book back. Like, I wonder if they'll let me buy all the copies from them. Oh, no. uh, this <laughs> shouldn't, sure this shouldn't, shouldn't be out in the world. But the minute it was out, the reception was so warm and, uh, just Aww. beyond lovely that I, I was like, oh, yes, okay. I'm so glad it's here. <laughs> That's so wonderful. I'm so glad you did it because I learned so much. And, um, you know, I, I just treasure books like this. that and, and only you could have written it from your point of view. And I think that you stuck with it and it's wonderful. So... Um, it looks like that's about all the time we have for today, but there's so many more great recipes in Aloha Kitchen. I hope everyone gets their hands on it. And thank you so much, Alana, for sharing this time with us and this book. <laughs> thank you, Kathy. I had so much fun chatting with you. Absolutely. And uh, to sunnier days to come here at this summer season at Heritage Radio Network, we'll see you next time on Earwords. Words is powered by Simplecast. Simplecast is a popular hosting and analytics platform that allows podcasters to easily host and publish to apps like Apple Podcasts. If you have a podcast or are looking to create your very first, check it out. Try it for free and save half off your first three months at simplecast.com forward slash heritage. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.